Welcome to Episode 11 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and the producer of this series. If you have not already viewed Episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding this series. Beginning with this episode, there are two changes to the format. Transition slides have been included before the start of the reading of verses, and a line has been added to indicate St. John's point of perspective, either heaven looking downward or earth looking upward. Now, at the start of chapter 6, the beginning of John's description of the signs of end times, including the first six of the seven seals, he remains in heaven, having been invited to come up here in Revelation 4, verse 1. As I pointed out in earlier episodes, Revelation is not a book which can be read in isolation from the gospel accounts. Especially useful in understanding Revelation is Matthew 24, verses 7 and 8, and 29, 30, and 31, in which Jesus speaks the words, signs of the times, end of the age, and the coming of the Son of Man. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Similar descriptions can be found in the Gospels of St. Mark in chapter 13, and St. Luke chapter 21. Remember, please, that the apostles had no more certainty or knowledge than you or I do concerning when these end times were coming. Most of them believed it would be sooner rather than later. The expectation of immediacy is called the parousia, or more commonly in modern languages, parousia. The fact that it has not yet happened does not diminish the sense of imminence you should always have and be ready for. I have divided chapter 6 into two parts, beginning with verses 1 through 8. The illustration for the reading is a detail of a 15th century Italian fresco in the Greek style at Mount Athos, Greece. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. 
And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. A possible Old Testament model for this kind of vision of God sending scourges to mankind to produce repentance is found in Zechariah 1 verses 7 to 17 in which a man rides a red horse accompanied by red, white, and sorrel horses. That's verse 7. Sorrel horses are chestnut with white manes. Another man who stood among the myrtle trees identified these for Zechariah. These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro, throughout the earth. That's Zechariah 1, verse 10. A similar scene is found in Zechariah 6, verses 1 through 8, in which chariots accompanied by red, white, black, and either grizzled and bay or dappled horses appear. That's Zechariah 6, 1. The angel identifies these as, quote, the four spirits of heaven, in Zechariah 6, verse 5. As in the opening of chapter 4, the vision of the heavenly throne, John sees the Lamb open the first seal and is invited to, quote, come and see, as in Revelation 4, verse 1, another invitation to see events from a heavenly perspective. The same invitation to come and see is offered as each of the seals is broken in Revelation 6, verse 3, 5, and 7. In the Western literary tradition, John's vision of the first four seals which appear as horses are often called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. 
The first illustration is a late 19th century oil on canvas by the Russian artist Viktor Vaznetsov, which also depicts a lamb observing the scene from the top center. The second illustration is two pages from the St. Sever Beatus, an apocalypse manuscript from Aquitaine, France in the 11th century, which itself was based upon a similar work from the 7th century in Spain. The first of the four horses described in 6.2 is the white horse, traditionally known as Conquest. The text describes the rider as a man with a bow on a white horse who is given a crown and who goes forth and conquers. The illustration is the first horseman from the Bamberg Apocalypse, an illuminated manuscript prepared in the scriptorium at Reichenau, Germany, between the year 1000 and 120 A.D., during the reign of and at the direction of Holy Roman Emperor Otto III. The cross symbol at the right is a traditional symbol of Jesus Christ. In Byzantine and Greek Orthodox icons of Christ, the same cross is shown with the letters IC, XC, and Nika superimposed, IC, XC, left and right above the bar, and NIKA, left and right below the bar. These mean, in Greek, Jesus Christ, victor, or conqueror, meaning of death. The second horseman rides a fiery red horse, traditionally labeled war, and with the rider given permission to, quote, take peace from the earth, and, uh, unquote, and a foretelling of men killing each other with swords in verse 4, similar to the reference in Jesus' prophecy in Matthew 7, Matthew 24, verse 7, which I cited earlier, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The illustration for the second horseman is a scene from a 13th century apocalypse manuscript in the British Museum. The third horseman rides a black horse, traditionally labeled famine. The rider ominously carries a pair of scales. The small amounts of wheat and barley, a quart of wheat for a denarius, a denarius being the equivalent of a day's wages, suggests rampant inflation in the cost of food essential for daily life. The illustration is the Angers Apocalypse Tapestry made in Angers, France, between 1372 and 1382 A.D. The fourth horseman is the Pale Horse, traditionally called Death, who is accompanied by Hades, who together are sent to sweep across, quote, a fourth of the earth, killing with sword, death, and through the beasts of the earth. In episode 2, the primer on numerology, I pointed out that the use of the fraction of fourth implies that mercy has been shown in that not all are destroyed. The illustration for the fourth horseman is vision of death, 
an engraving from Gustav Doré's Doré's English Bible from the late 19th century. The next reading, chapter 6, verses 9 through 17, includes a vision of two images, the fifth opening of the fifth and sixth seals. The illustrations are from the Bamberg Apocalypse and the Sansever Beatus. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? With the fifth image, the opening of the fifth seal, the tone changes in two ways, shifting away from horses and animals to people and changing the setting. The fifth vision occurs in a church setting when the fallen, quote, slain for the word of God, in verse 9, lie, quote, under the altar. St. John's own personal experience with persecution and the experience he mentioned earlier of the death of Bishop Antipas of Pergamos, mentioned in chapter 2, verse 16, and discussed in this series in episode 5, seems a likely inspiration. In both the Western and Eastern Church, A tradition developed of building churches on the ashes or relics of martyrs, thus making a a prophecy out of the phrase, under the altar. For this and the next three slides, the illustration is souls and martyrs under the earth from the St. Sever Beatus, or Apocalypse of St. Sever. All these faithful dead are offered white robes and symbols of purity, salvation, and blessedness and allowed to, quote, rest a little while as other faithful servants are also martyred. The phrase a little while comes from the Greek word mikron, 
which was used by Jesus in St. John's Gospel in 1616, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, because I go to the Father. A little while is a small amount of time when measured on the scale of God's time and refers to the time when he wills it according to his divine plan. The lament of the dead in verse 10, How long, O Lord, was used several times in the book of Psalms when the godly asked why God allows the unrighteous to prosper. For example, in Psalm 74, verse 11, O God, how long shall the adversary do this dishonor? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? The answer in Christian theology is that help will come in God's good time. This question and its answer arises again in Revelation chapter 9, verse 5, and in Revelation 14, verse 13. When the sixth seal is opened, a great cataclysm occurs. The earth is shaken by a great earthquake. The sun darkens, the moon turns to blood, and with the stars falls. These are signs of end times with details similar to prophecies in both the Old and New Testament. First, the prophecy found in Joel 2, verse 1b and 10, and Joel 2, verses 30 and 31, and second in Matthew 24, verse 29, which was read earlier in this episode. The illustration for this and the next several slides is another drawing from the Apocalypse of St. Sever, cited earlier, and depicting a similar scene which actually occurs later in Revelation. The first source is Joel's prophecy of the day of the Lord from Joel 2, 1b and 10. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, and the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. How the prophecy will be fulfilled is explained in the prophecy in Joel 2, verses 30 and 31. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. St. John again demonstrates his knowledge of the gospel accounts, for these words are strikingly similar to Jesus' prophecy in Matthew 24, verse 29, in reference to the day of the coming of the Son of Man, read in full in earlier slides. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The universality of the impact of the cataclysm is displayed in verse 15, as the whole earth flees and hides, including the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man 
who hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks. In the Old Testament prophecies, it was as judge, it was God the Almighty. In St. John's account in Revelation, they all fear, quote, him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb in the final verse 17, meaning both God the Father and God the Son. As Joel wrote in the Old Testament, there is no way to hide in Joel 2 verse 11, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? In Revelation 6, verse 17, St. John describes this in a very similar way, saying, For the great day of wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Next time in episode 12, I take up discussion of chapters 7 and 8. Thank you for joining me for episode 11 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. This internet-based ministry is entirely supported by public contributions and by book sales. You can help by making a donation in any amount payable to the Anglican Internet Church and sending it to our business office address, 7162 Soft Wind Lane, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23111. Or you can purchase any of our books through my author page at https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. As a reminder, 100% of all book royalties are donated to the AIC. Or you can like us and subscribe to our podcasts at our Podbean site, which hosts our extensive collection of over 475 MP3 podcasts on a variety of topics. While you're at our YouTube page, I invite you to join our Google Plus Circle by clicking the subscribe button. As a Google Plus member, you'll receive notice of each new video. Our new URL address is www.youtube.com right slash C right slash St. John C. Or you can follow us and like us on the AIC Facebook page, either using the full address on the screen or by going to the link on the home page of our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, and clicking the link. Then, once you're at the, the Facebook site, bookmarking the page for easy return. Or you can read and subscribe to my weekly blog posts at https.anglicaninternetchurch.wordpress.com. Finally, you can request the weekly update, a weekly email with the latest news and links to the most recent videos, podcasts, blog posts, and publications. To be added to the list, send your request to me at frron.stjohnanglican at earthlink.net. Please note that the names and email addresses of all recipients of the weekly update are blocked to protect your privacy. 
you can remove your name from the list at any time simply by sending another email request. If you'd like to speak with me personally about this program or any other subject, please call 804-559-2690 between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday Eastern Time. If you do not reach me, please leave your name, a message, and a callback number. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.